0: Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life.
1: We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we were created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve. And if that is too much for you, you can buy the pen or simply recite, live, love, serve. Amen? Amen. Today we are going to be reading from the book of John. We're going to be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. The book of John, we are going to be in the fourth chapter and we are going to be reading verses 46 through 48. John chapter four, verses 46 through 48. And they read as such. Then he came again to Cana in Galilee where he had changed the water into wine. Now there was a royal official whose son lay ill in Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. If I had to title this sermon for today, it would be entitled Resilient Faith. Resilient Faith. Let us pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that we have a promise that says that when we feel weak, that is where your strength is made perfected. And for so many of us right now, God, we feel weak. Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. We are at our wit's end. We are tired. And there may even be some of us who feel like giving up. Strengthen us today, God. Refresh us remind us that we are never alone, that we are never doing it alone, we are never walking alone. And sometimes when we think we're walking by ourselves, it's true that you are in fact carrying us, God. So thank you for keeping us even when we didn't want to be kept, didn't know we were being kept and didn't know how to be kept, God. We love you and it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 I just want to read verse 48 again, but I want to read it in the Message Bible. It says, unless you people are dazzled by a miracle, you refuse to believe. Hmm. It is a gift to be in relationship with people. To be human is to want to be able to connect with others and to be in relationship. I'm not just talking about romantic relationships. That can be friendships. It can be familial. It can be professional relationships. But really one of the joys of being a human is being in relationship. And it is truly a blessing when you get those long relationships that you get to walk with people for years and years and years. You get to know their ins and outs. And I don't know if you remember the the beginnings of a relationship. And often there's this this element of always trying to prove, whether it's at your job, whether it's a friend, whether it's, um, it's romantic, you're always trying to prove who you are and what you're doing. But at a certain point, as you learn the person, as you begin to trust one another, you kind of throw the pretenses off and you're able to just walk in the trust of the relationship. And with that out of the way, there's nothing left to prove. Both people are just able to be who they are. But I know some of us have probably been in relationships that even though we mature, the relationship doesn't ever really mature. And so you find yourself always trying to prove to the person who you are, what you are, and the more you do it, the more that they want, the more that they ask and the more that they require. And it stifles the relationship. You never have the opportunity to settle or grow because you're always trying to prove and for the person who is constantly trying to prove themselves, even if they continue to do so, sometimes they just get weary and tired. And here in verse 46, we are experiencing a weary and tired Jesus. He has just come back from being in um, with the Samaritans for two days and he's coming back to Galilee. And if you understand this being the hometown of Jesus, it wasn't a place that he was readily accepted. It was a place where he was unable to do miracles because the people didn't believe and they were always kind of just, oh, that's little Jesus. They never really accepted Jesus for who he was. And so when Jesus enters into the town, I imagine that he probably expected to get that same response, but this time it's different. This time when he enters, it says in verse 45, when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. And it might seem that this is a joyous occasion, the fact that they are welcoming Jesus and they are opening their arms to him. But it says they welcomed him since they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the festival. And then it says he comes to um, to Cana in Galilee. And they were excited to see Jesus. You know why? Not because of his presence, but because of the last time they had encountered Jesus, it was at a wedding where he had turned all the water into wine. And who wouldn't like that person? I'm just saying, water into wine. But this is what Jesus is encountering. And so he comes into Cana, and there is a royal who says, my son is sick, my son is sick, and he's begging Jesus to heal his son. His son is on his deathbed. And we've seen Jesus respond to people all over when they're asking, because of your faith, you are made healed. Do you want to be made whole? But here, when the royal, who Jesus has had no other interaction with before, says to him, unless you see signs and miracles, you will not believe. And I know when I first read it, it seemed a little harsh that someone who was asking Jesus for healing would be told kind of in a persnickety way that unless they see signs and wonders, they will not believe. But Jesus isn't speaking to the royal. Here in this text, The you actually translates to plural. So what Jesus is saying is unless you all see signs and miracles, you will not believe. Jesus is not talking to the man. He is talking to the crowd. For there was always a crowd who was around Jesus. Always people. Wherever Jesus was, there were people wanting to be healed. Those who were trying to see what Jesus was about. But you know who else was always in the crowd? Believers, Sadducees and Pharisees who had relationship with God, who understood who God was. Yet every time they encountered Jesus, they wanted signs and proof. And so here again, Jesus is being asked to prove who he is. And I can imagine that this is a little bit Even more frustrating for Jesus because Jesus has just come from Samaritan, Samaria. He has just had the encounter with the woman at the well who he had one conversation with. And off of her words alone, off of his words alone, the woman believed. She didn't need a sign. She didn't need a miracle. She simply had one conversation with Jesus and after that conversation, she ran to the town and told everybody about Jesus and they believed. And then they asked Jesus to stay two more days and he, and he, more people believed. No sign, no miracle, no wonder and they believed. Yet, people who had seen Jesus heal, do miracles and signs over and over again had the expectation that Jesus was going to show up in that way again. Miracles and signs are an interesting thing. I know plenty of us on plenty of days have prayed for miracles. We have asked. God to do the unspeakable and the unbelievable. And there are times when God does it, but there are also times when God does not. And what I found is how we respond when God does not says everything about our faith. We often say that we have faith in God, but I wonder what we truly have faith in. Do we have faith in God's presence or in God's performance? In what, in God being with us or what God can do for us? And it is a really slippery slope. I'm not saying that we should not have the expectation that God is going to come through because God does come through. But when you really look at this, Jesus healed and did miracles and signs for unbelievers. It literally says that. Those were meant for unbelievers because it was meant to engender belief. The miracle was meant to dazzle people so that they would want to believe. But when you already believe, miracles are not meant to undergird our faith. It doesn't mean that they don't happen. It doesn't mean that they don't occur, but they are not the thing that is supposed to make us believe because our faith is not predicated on God's performance. It is predicated on God's presence in our lives. And how we know the difference, how we know the difference in what we have faith in is how we respond when tragedy hits our lives. How we respond when the hard things hit, the nonsensible things, the things that we did not expect. For some of us, our faith doesn't waver. We may be hurt. We may feel pain, but our faith remains. But for some of us, when life hits, we are ready to walk away from it all. And we no longer believe. Not because we don't want to, but because I think somewhere along the line, even if it was unconsciously, we begin to put our faith in the performance of what God could do. And when God doesn't show up in the way that we want to, we get disappointed. But this life doesn't promise that everything is going to go the way that we expect or want. But what we do have is a promise that God is with us no matter what. And I have to imagine that was just... Can you imagine, can you imagine the notion that we are constantly in relationship with God and asking God to prove God's self to us? A God who has shown up for us time and time again, and we are not satisfied unless we get the next miracle or the next big thing. Signs are one thing. God gives us signs all the time. But the difference between a sign and a miracle is the miracle again is the dazzle. And we always are expecting God to dazzle us. Hasn't God done enough for us? How many of us can recall all the ways in which God has shown up for us over and over and over and over again? And yet we keep asking for more. But faith is not about what we can see. Faith is not about getting what we want. Faith is about God's presence with us in the midst of it all. When life feels like it is on our chest and we can barely catch our breath and we feel like we can't make it, some of us look up and we think that God is doing it. When really, often God is right next to us, cheering us on, reminding us that we can get up, reminding us that we are resilient, reminding us that we are warrior. This life is not devoid of suffering. And if you follow the carpenter, you're guaranteed to have suffering. But your faith is not in the outcome. Your faith is in a God who walks with you, who talks with you and lets you know that you are strong enough, big enough, great enough to get up again. I know for so many of us, for so many reasons, you are hurting. And it is human to feel upset. It is human to be angry. Some of us are even angry at God. But when you get to a place of true surrender, that means surrendering the outcome. Surrendering our way. We sing songs like there's nothing that I hold on to, yet we still hold on to the outcome that we want. And that is not what the crux of faith is. That is not what it is. And so this isn't an indictment, really, but it is a moment for us to check ourselves, because it is easy in the midst of our pain and in the midst of our suffering, to get out of alignment. But even when we do that, there is a God who is with us, a God who is waiting. A God who wants to show you how much God can love you through your pain, through your hard moments, through the rough moments. And that is what faith is. That is what it means to have a resilient faith, a faith that can withstand even the most difficult of tragedies, the most difficult things that life throws at you. To know that you are still with God and that God is still with you. And I really just want to encourage those of you today who are on the brink. I really want to encourage those of you who are walking away and you don't understand what is happening in your life, who are ready to throw in the towel, I'm saying not yet, not yet. Because you haven't, don't throw it in because you've, you've gotten out of alignment, not even on purpose, just because life keeps not going your way. But the thing about curves in our lives is that we never know what's around the bend. You don't know what's on the other side of this pain. It says this present suffering, this present suffering does not compare to the future glory. But we don't get to go around it. Sometimes we have to go through it, smack dab through it and face it but we are not facing it alone because we have a God that is with us. And really, if we opened our eyes, we would see that it's not just God with us, but there are people around us who are experiencing what we are experiencing and having the same types of hardships that we are having and feel the way you do. And so if we could remove ourselves from thinking that faith is about what God can do and is more about God being with us, in us, and through us. Some of us would be able to make just enough of a shift to keep going, to keep fighting. See, resilience is a long game, but that doesn't mean you have to be resilient every moment, and sometimes we just have to take it day by day. And so I'm asking you, can you be resilient today? Can you be resilient today? Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Let me just say this. Being a pastor and being in the pulpit doesn't protect you from pain. And some don't understand the difficulty it takes to show up in the midst of your pain. And do your best. And so I pray that if my words fail today, in the midst of my pain, that you could hear the spirit of my broken heart. But even in the midst of that pain, I still have faith in God. And not because God showed up in the way that I want it, but I know that God shows up in the way that I need. So I pray that our faith is big enough to encapsulate even the moments where we don't understand what God is doing and why. And that we can just press on a little bit further to see the glory on the other side. God, I thank you. that you can interpret our tears, our pain, our moans and our groans. In Ecclesiastes it says that you make everything beautiful in its time. So that means that even the ugliest of moments, the scariest of moments, the hardest of moments can be the manure from which a beautiful flower can grow. So I thank you, God, for all of the mess that is helping to build resilient people. We love you, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.